welcome to the Contingency Plan Podcast. My name is Jedi Master David, and with me as always is Darth Austin. Yeah, 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 it's your boy the Darth. Okay, I think we should... Uh, Hello, everyone. <clears throat> in, the, in the podcast right now. Um, mm, I just wanted to move us in another direction to grab the young audience. Oh, is that how is young that, people talk, right? Is that what we're doing? The young, the young audience. I'm such an old man. All right, boomer. <laughs> you're you're far younger than I am. I'm supposed I'm supposed to be the one to make those jokes, not you. You know, it's funny. I was on TikTok last night. Oh. You know, like you do when you're under thirty. You're on TikTok. TikTok. And this guy was doing this video. It's like, oh, t- top ten reasons you might be a zenial. In between millennial and Gen Z, if you watch these shows growing up and you like these things, like, now damn it, eight out of ten is too close for me, but I'm not a zennial. I am a millennial. This is not cool. <laughs> Are you considered a millennial? Yeah. I'm like, well, the cutoff is way later than it should be. It's like 98, I think, 99, something like that. Oh, really? Yeah. So, I mean... I'm in this weird group where I grew up with nothing but the 90s, but technically I grew up with the 2000s, early 2000s stuff too, so I get the best of both worlds. It's awesome. Oh, interesting. Well, so, okay, I'm just looking at a graph here. Mm -hmm. because A graph. This stuff (laughs) has... Wouldn't be Star Wars without graph. Yeah. (laughs) This stuff has always confused me because, like, Mm -hmm. oh, my God. Okay, guys. Let, let's talk about let's talk about something that obviously is going wrong in the world. Why is no, it? Don't do it. Don't do it. Why is it that every website I go into now, no matter where I am, <laughs> has a pop up for cookies now? Like, accept the cookies. It's like, is there a new government policy out there? I've never seen this happen before. Like, as much cookies. as it has in the past like few months, every site mm-hmm. I go to. Cookies? No, I don't really want to accept your cookies at all. Uh, where's the option to not accept and continue? Well, you can't do that, so then don't ask me. You right, because obviously if I'm going to this website, I'm accepting the cookies. Oh, my gosh. It is, it, it, it's, sorry, I was, I was complaining about that before the podcast. So we have the boomers, the true boomers, the baby mm-hmm. boomers, 1940 to 59, Gen X, uh, 1960 to 79, Gen Y or millennials, uh, 1980 to 1994, which I'm sure a lot of 80s babies would uh, would probably definitely dispute that. And then Gen- See, I didn't realize that it was 94. I thought it was 98. Well, I'm, so I'm right at the cutoff. And, and Gen Z, 95 to 2010. But that's one. That's one source. Let's look at yet another graph. Oh no! It's gonna be different. There's no true source. Uh, well, that's that's kind of the kind of the thing here. Um, okay, so this one is slightly different. We, th- this actually has more. So the silent generation or the lucky few, which I have never heard. Actually, oh, it goes back. What is that, dude? We're going we're going way back. We're going a long, long time ago. So, we're talking 1920s here no, or something. Before that, so the oh, the my. lost generation. 1883 to 1900, uh, the greatest uh, generation, uh, the ni- 1901 to 27. So this would have, 
which which is sure anyway. Well, the, those would have been some of the young people that would have fought in World War Two. You know, yeah, I, I I'm not some, argue. some of them. Yeah, you sure. know, I mean, granted. It, they would have been extremely young, but you, you know, at those times there were a lot of young, you know, teenage oh, yeah, people that went to war. So sure. potentially even World War One. Um, then mm-hmm. we have the Silent Generation, twenty-eight to forty-five, uh, baby boomers, forty-six to sixty-four. Was that different than what I just said? I don't remember. I don't care. Um, Gen X, uh, sixty-five to nineteen eighty. Millennials, uh, Gen Y, 81 to 96, so they're kind of advancing Oh, that's here. different, see? Yeah, it's a little different. Zoomers, they put Zoomers, which I find hilarious. <laughs> so Gen Z, 97 to, to uh, 2012. And then they, they, okay, listen to this. I have never heard this before. Generation Alpha, uh, 2010 that's to 2020. That's not a thing. That, that's what it says here. That's not a thing. Gen, Gen Alpha. Uh, we have to start back what over. Are, next one will be what Gen are we Beta. gonna call our COVID babies, dude? Wait a what minute, are they gonna be? Wait, wait a minute. So the next generation could be the Beta generation, a bunch of Betas. <laughs> God, I hate to be those kids. Yeah, <laughs> we're pre-alpha. Well, there there are a lot of folks in in my age bracket that really do fight that millennial tag uh, because there was such a stigma, uh, according to. I'm pre. I'm proud of millennial tag, honestly. I the older I get, the more I'm proud of it. I don't know. I see. I I, I know a lot of people in that late the late end of the Gen X that were like seventy six mm-hmm. to nineteen eighty and so forth. And you know, anyway, our our this is really super interesting. I'm sure to a lot of people. But you know, I always felt that my generation was like the last one to see. I've always been on the last train to everything. So. We were the last mm-hmm. generation before a lot of the new standardized testing, so we got that tested on us. You know, the the gravy train, you know, in the business world was gone, and now everything's questioned. You have to be hyper audited. I never got to experience mm-hmm. much of the wild west, uh, j- just in 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 the working community because it all it's all hyper regulated. I know that's you know whatever, but it's probably better in a lot of ways. But you know, sometimes you just want to be a gunslinger. All right, you just want to <laughs> you just want to shoot from the hip. Uh, yeah. But anyway, there's so many things from our generation, though, that people nowadays will never experience when you think about, it, though, like with how much technology is advanced, like telling someone now, don't forget to remi- rewind the movie before you take it back. Well, now, yeah, now you you're completely now you're just get a blank stare. No, all right, Malin. I mean, all right, it's not, it's not, talk your memes. No, it's not even <laughs> meme. It's true. Like the, the things that we grew up with. I mean, there's such a big jump. From then to now, yeah, we we've talked about this too about like you know Saturdays we'd go there you know there were a couple movie stores we'd go to and we'd we'd mm-hmm. surf the the covers and that's how I picked movies yeah. a lot of times and oh yeah we, you're not gonna read the description no. you're not gonna flip that thing over no, no we, we'd surf the covers and and find something interesting and and sit down and watch it so yeah I mean that was something that. A lot of people aren't uh, even Redbox. Redbox isn't really even a thing for a lot of people now, and that that's not that old. So it's still around in my town, but it's like by a Dollar Tree. It's sad. It's like no yeah. one's going to use it. It's it's just forgotten. Well, it, it's it's like Blockbuster. It's just still thriving to some extent. That was I wouldn't even say thriving. It's just limping along. Well, when when, <laughs> when you took away the human element. 
um, and it all became computerized. I imagine that's one of the easiest things to just rip movies off. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. So, you know, how many people didn't return but put on like a fake card or some crap like that or, or what? I don't know. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm not a criminal even. Prepaid though. visa. Well, I, I yeah, yeah, they're actually good. Good call, prepaid visas. That's why no one will accept prepaid visa anymore because people were just bad people with well, it. Well, yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, I work in the banking industry, so I, I unfortunately get to see the worst of people and what they mm-hmm. what they do to other people. So yeah. Um, heck we even stopped we, we had a prepaid like account. It was it was like a prepaid mm-hmm. account that like yeah, anyway, whatever. Um, so yeah, folks, uh, today obviously we will be talking Star Wars eventually. And I figured we would step back. I, I made this suggestion, and, and I wanted to do this book. It's a book. It's a literary podcast today. Um, I wanted to do this book back when it came out, but it just didn't work. I know we were doing a lot of theorizing at the time. Um, there was a, a lot of just you know speculatory podcasts because this was the journey to the rise of Skywalker. And, of course, we are talking about the Force Collector. Mm-hmm. Which we ended up choosing the other book that came out in this line at the time. What was it? Resistance again? Reborn. It was, yeah, yeah. I was thinking yeah. about that because I don't remember. I don't even remember the the plot of that book. I don't remember. It's us rough for about me it. too. Honestly, I would have to go back, and I don't know if it'd be different with this book in a year or two. Truthfully, even though it was a decent book, I mean. Uh, I remember. I we, actually. I think we gave. I think we gave Resistance Reborn a good review too. I just, yeah. I, At least a decent review. Yeah, I, I I I legitimately can't remember. I know we did it. Yeah. Um, but I don't remember the the conversation. Uh, I think we were just so hyped for the movie that we were riding that wave of everything. It, it was content that allowed us to talk about it. That's all it was. True. But there was, there was a lot of, um, there's a lot of other things coming out. I thought I had a page pulled up here because we, we also, I think I don't, I don't remember if me and you talked about it, but I, I know that possibly I might've done a Wednesday show about the comics because there were, um, I'm just actually pulling this up right now. So there were there was the Allegiant series, and then the rise of Kylo Ren. So if you remember, you sh- we we discussed it, but not like a full review of yeah. the comic together. No, and I'm pretty sure you have those. I, I think I was I was I have I think I was I have one them of you. them, and I've 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 looked through the entire story. I know the story. I know what happens, but I don't own all of them. Yeah, I mean, the, the rise of Kylo Ren did some interesting things. Allegiance, um, man, I, I'm i forgetting a lot. Oh, yeah. I had to look it up because I was like, man, I don't really remember Allegiance. Had some sick covers, though. Oh, okay, yes, I do. I do remember this story now. So, yeah, this was more indecisive Ray at times. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it was, it was an interesting ish story, but yeah, they, they tried really hard in the literature to, to build Ray's confidence back up. I know that was another thing with, I do remember that now kind of being, I believe something in resistance reborn that we talked about, but it, mm-hmm. it's hard. I, I just, I can't, I can't remember that book and it's sad. And I have it. Um, I know it was pretty Poe centric, but that's really the extent of it for me. 
Yeah. Honestly, other than that, I'm not sure. Yeah, it's weird. But that's not the book we're going to go over, and I don't really see the need to read go over that book, in all honesty. No, no, no offense, <laughs> but I just don't. Um, but yeah, The Force Collector was one that I, I read it at the time, and I, I enjoyed it upon first reading. Uh, Kevin mm-hmm. Shinnick, who by the book cover was an Emmy Award winning author, which is interesting because like I couldn't really find anything else on my quick search of what else he's written. And then I started looking around and it's like, well, he hasn't really written anything, <laughs> you know, he, 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 he's basically done TV. Um, he mm-hmm. did, mm-hmm. he was, uh, instrumental in the, um, robot chicken star Wars episodes. If you remember those. <laughs> yeah. God, I haven't watched robot chicken in a, in a, is it even still a thing? I, I doubt is it's it still around? running, but, um, it was interesting for the time. And then, uh, he, he was the host of a game show called Where in Time is Carmen Sandiego? And I, I... I do not remember that. I mean, I feel I feel vaguely familiar with, with that, but I mean, it was a PBS show, so mm-hmm. I think it was probably extremely cheesy. I mean, unfortunately, that... Well, that's what PBS was. <laughs> that's what they could afford. Oh gosh, yeah, unfortunately. I mean, there was some good stuff on PBS from time to time. There was. Let's, let's, not, let's not trip. Um, so, I mean, he's, he's done a few, few things television film wise, but it just, <laughs> no, I'm not dogging him, but it, it seemed like an odd, like an odd choice out of all the writers yeah. out there. The guy had never really done, at least not that I can find a star Wars book as like, what are his writing credits? It's like, if you just go to like Wikipedia, it's like novels, uh, the force collector. <laughs> Yeah, and, and truthfully, his first iteration is pretty decent. I mean, he did a good job. Yeah, and, we'll, and we'll, I mean, I would I would be happy to see more of his work. Yeah, and and we'll we'll obviously get get to ratings, uh, you know, as we go along. But um, yeah, j- just kind of kind of an interesting interesting deal here. Uh, let's see here, so. No, I mean, apparently he also did some little thing called Chewy and the Porgs. I don't know what that is. Por- Porgs don't exist. They're not. They're not a part of Star Wars anymore. Yeah, I don't. I mean, yeah, it's just Chewy and Chewy and the Porgs. Seems to be like a you know, just a Chewy and the Porgs. <laughs> Yeah, it's just like a little kids, like a kids uh, illustrated thing, I guess. I don't know. It has pretty decent ratings, I guess. That's a big jump, though, when you think about it. Yeah, and then then he did comics, too. I mean, he's done a lot of stuff with Spider-Man, um, Spider-Man and, and characters. Uh, looks like he also did some stuff for The Flash as well, and uh, looks like one comic in the Batman universe, so... There you go. I mean, he's he's done he's done some stuff, but anyway, I mean, it, it, yeah, I'll I'll agree. Uh, good good kind of first attempt there. Uh, maybe you, you do more. <laughs> I'd be okay with that. Yeah. Well, let's go ahead and before we jump into the book, 
let's go ahead and um, you know just how was your, how was your um, your your week? How's it going? How are you feeling? I feel okay. The week was kind of a blur. I've been working a little overtime, but Sunday. Let me tell you about Sunday. Sunday was a fun day. It was a good day. Went went to Pins. Went back to Pins. Oh, did to you? All you all you people in Ohio who don't have a ton to do. Let me tell you about a little place in Dublin called Pins, 16-bit arcade. And you didn't tell me. <laughs> good. Yeah, good stuff. I didn't. Yep. Good. No. It was it was for my boy. I couldn't bring anyone else. I'm sorry. <sighs> no, but uh, actually did a little more exploring of the place. It's funny. Now that I think back of the bachelor party, we really didn't do a whole lot there. Like, no, we drank, like we did, we, we, we drank beers. Yeah. We, we played a few of the arcade games, but like we didn't do the duck pin bowling or any of that. It's a, there's a lot more to that place than we realize. And I did the star Wars game finally. Yeah. And it was terrible. Yeah. It was God awful. The X wing pilot game, the response time. I died so many times. <laughs> I feel like I would be a terrible pilot. <laughs> well, it's different for sure. Yeah, yeah, no, very, no, very, very cool place for those of you who don't know. It's a basically an adult arcade and bar. Yeah, um, yeah. But you know, they all the games are like free to play type of deal. You just go up, you you buy drinks. Essentially, that's how they pay for <laughs> to keep the lights on. <laughs> Drinks and you know you gotta pay six bucks for bowling, but you know oh okay. still, yeah it, it's still everything there is really reasonable and you know it's a cool '90s vibe. You know you got a lot of the nerd references. You got some of the stuff from the earlier generation. You got some Star Wars stuff. You got mm-hmm. Gremlins all sitting around the bar and stuff. It's great. It's kind of like you know you remember that bar, not bar, that diner we used to go-to growing up that was all like 50s themes it's right. that for our generation essentially yeah and the, the the barcade has um definitely pervaded columbus area there there are several other mm-hmm. ones i uh when when we were talking about you know his his bachelor party i was you know i don't know you you didn't really you said, i don't know I'll just do something um there were a couple of, of barcades it's the best man's job yeah <laughs> there were a couple of barcades out there. That one just from what I saw looked the coolest, so that's why we went. And it I, I And I assume it is, truthfully. I couldn't imagine there being much better than that. No, it was good size and in that area the um the city has kind of developed into this it's very small, but they, they really uh-huh. tried to develop it into a kind of a happening place. There's you know, there's a hotel there, there is um there's like flats. Uh, above mm-hmm. a lot of the businesses, so you can live there. They're expensive. Little bridges across. Yeah, super expensive. Yeah, pretty cool. Couple of restaurants, some other various stuff. But I mean, it's basically like, it's not like you know gift shops and stuff. It's like eat, eat, drink, be merry, and then go up to your flat or the hotel or something. Yeah. Most rent. Go enjoy your flat. That's twenty five hundred dollars for a one bedroom yeah and, and i mean like it, it's kind of in a bit of a random area off the highway it, it's it's it is but it's cool it's it's very cool um uh, i know it's pins but it's like what is it 16 bit arcade or yeah 16 bit arcade which is it's weird because like when we first set up to go there 
you know, at first I think you called it 16-bit, and I started looking it up online. It's like, oh, I'm not finding the place. And it's like, <laughs> what's this pins thing that keeps yeah. coming up? What's that? Oh, it's the same thing. Yeah, I mean, okay. pin, pins is like the, the parent company, and 16-bit is what mm. they called that arcade. But anyway, yeah, no, that was a good time. So, yeah, good, good, good. Good, uh, good that you were able to get back down there. Eventually I'll have to get back down there, too. Um, what about you? How was your weekend? No, nah, it was fine. You know, just working uh, like normal. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. <laughs> that's that's it. Uh, Don't you love those weeks? They just blur by. It's like, man, I'm going to have to explain this week on the podcast. And it was terrible. It wasn't even terrible. It's just nothing worth talking uh, yeah, about. Yeah, no, it was. <laughs> yeah, nothing. Nothing really worth worth uh, worth talking about. You know, we are on a on a bit of a comic book hiatus for I, I think that the next the next group of Star Wars comics uh, might start either next week or week at might be week after next. We start getting new comics. So been like two weeks without anything new there. You know, literature is pretty dry. I mean, it, 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 you know, unless you're sitting sitting around waiting for WandaVision, which I haven't watched yet or whatever. Not much going on. I haven't either. I don't know if I care to watch that, truthfully. Well, I mean, I like the Scarlet Witch. Uh, uh, She's an Olsen. What is her first name? Uh, Brie? No, that's not it. I'll tell you (laughs) that much. It's not it. Uh, Yeah, it's bothering me. Um, I mean, she's an Olsen, which is, is hilarious. Everybody, Elizabeth Olsen. So... Everybody in their in their brother has been coming out saying, "I didn't know she was an Olsen like Mary Kate and Ashley." It's like, dude, she is she's the younger one of the younger. I didn't even know how many siblings there were, uh, which I think that there were. I don't remember how many there were because I, I looked it up too. At some point, I knew she was an Olsen, but yeah, it's like she's a spitting image of her sisters. Like she looks exactly mm-hmm. like them. She's just taller. Yeah. <sighs> whatever anyway um so yeah scarlet witch there you go watch watch tv i don't watch tv it's not tv it's streaming it's not tv it's DiGiorno. (laughs) so anyway (laughs) i figured i figured our first little section of the podcast here is we should try and recount the journey to the rise of Skywalker because I, I remember some of the speculation going around around this book at the time, specifically when the cover was announced and also, mm-hmm. you know, I was at celebration and there was a whole publisher's panel about all this stuff. They had all the writers there, all of them. And, you know, this was when we were nerding out about a lot of this stuff and, Specifically talking about the cover, you know, we're, I, I know that early speculation was like, is this Ben Solo? Like before Kylo mm-hmm. Ren type of deal. I, I could see where people would think that too. Well, you know, he's, he's got the black wrappings around up through his arms, dark hair, you know, mm-hmm. some of the features are somewhat reminiscent and there's a lightsaber in his pack. I mean, his pack it, from the from the book's cover, there's a, like a training, uh, the the Jedi training droid ball, uh, stormtrooper helmet, 
there's like a holocron in, in the pack sticking out. And again, there's this lightsaber. So a lot of people were speculating that this was like early Ben Solo. And I, mm-hmm. I gotta say that would have been it. That would have been bold one. That would have been like a bold move to do yeah. a, a young Ben Solo novel after what we've especially, already seen. Especially if you consider giving him the same power that our protagonist has in this book. I mean, that'd be just a nice little layer well, it, on top of his character. Well, it, well, it would have been interesting from the sheer point that it would have explained a little bit about the um, Vader helmet. And it could have helped yeah. sort of like yeah. uh, give a little bit more layers to that. Because effectively, yeah, and it would have given it would have given him a reason to care more about his grandfather because he would have seen his good days, right? You know, when he was still, you know, a servant of the light, you would have been able to understand his fall mm-hmm, a little bit mm-hmm. better. And and we're, we're talking about actually, I don't. Does that have a specific name to it? Basically, where you touch stuff and it, it gives it you does. visions, which is the same thing that. Um, uh, Quinlan Voss, I believe, had that, or was it? No, not Quinlan mm-hmm. Voss. Um, crap. <laughs> uh, I always know where to look, but I do have to. Yeah, Quinlan Voss. I had the right name the first time. So Quin, Quinlan Voss had the had this ability, and then subsequently, mm-hmm. Cal Kestis also had the ability. Which fun fact that I read about, like not that long ago, um, apparently. Uh, our writer, a uh, force collector, did not know that Cal Kestis was also going to have this ability. So it was largely coincidental that they both had the ability. But I remember at the time when That's I was reading cool. it, I was like, God, we're really laying in this ability. Yeah. It seemed like a complete coincidence. That's interesting, especially since you didn't have as many sources for that ability. I mean, you maybe had, you probably had something in the legends for, you know, Old Republic Jedi with that power, but there weren't many sources for this. So for someone to actually take on that ability, it's kind of a difficult thing to write about because you just don't have any sources. Uh, yeah, it, it, it is. It is definitely. It is definitely odd. Uh, an odd ability. It's a cool ability, but it's it's it would be a, mm-hmm. a little bit more of an odd ability judging by where our Jedi are at now. Now, judging through the lens we we have now, though, with the High Republic, I am actually a little surprised we don't have someone in the High Republic novel so far that has that ability. I would be highly shocked if we go through this series without getting that. Because I feel like that'd be a very common power back then. Well, I mean, maybe not... Not not necessarily common, but... Common compared to what we have now. Yeah. It, it, yeah. It, 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 I don't know. Just because of all the abilities that, that people seem to have at that time. I mean, literally, we had a forced, forced rain cloud ability. Um, it, it just, yeah, it was, it was a little, it was a little interesting that we haven't seen that yet. But anyway, you know, maybe we're just, you know, kind of, it's unique. Let's just say it's unique. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it certainly is. Except 
at this particular time when they give it to two people. <laughs> but a good, yeah. a, a good but video they game use device, it in very though. different ways. Yeah, they use it in very different ways. Well, it, it's a good video game device. I could see that being yeah. used, you know, yeah. in a video, in you know, without uh, knowledge of you know um, of our game that we got. I could see that being kind of a cool thing to to throw into a video game if we had never done it before. Easy way to do flashbacks. Yeah, no doubt. (laughs) No doubt. So that was a little bit of speculation. I know, I know that there was some interest in, in in this kid. Um, and you know, it wasn't Ben Solo, an entirely new character, character called, uh, Karnook Sin. Um, and yeah, just, just interesting. So this book is set before Force Awakens. Mm-hmm. And I will also say this before we get all spoiler heavy, it does contain a ton of Easter eggs. Like it is it's almost it at times a little heavy-handed with the Easter eggs. Mm-hmm. I don't know what you think about that, but uh it's it's still entertaining. I I've, I've never like gotten to a point where it's like, oh, really, we're gonna talk about this. Yeah, I mean, right. they they weren't the first Easter eggs I would have chosen if I were the one writing the book. So I feel like he did put a little effort into like digging slightly deeper into picking out little parts. Yeah, I mean, it, just just for me, it was like you're gonna try and tie in everything you can with this one yeah. young adult book. Oh, and by yeah. the way. It was almost 90s cheesy at times when we're talking about literally saying the force is awakened or you are the spark. <laughs> oh, my goodness. You know, yeah. I, I don't know that I noticed that my first read through, but, you know, I definitely noticed it now. It's like you were trying to get all the taglines out of this man, all of it. It was who knows what will happen when the force awakens. <laughs> wink, wink. Yeah. Awakens. Wink, wink. It'll, Do I have to say it again? It's going to awaken very awakens soon <laughs> in a theater near you. <laughs> I just ran through all these people who are tied with an awakening of the force. <sighs> Let me just say this. So cheese ball. <laughs> Such a cheese ball. But yeah. anyway. It is. It, it, very, very interesting stuff. So um, I don't know. Any, any, anything else we want to share before we just jump right in? No, I'm ready. Okay. So the Force Collector, um, we start out with again our our main main boy here, Carnuxin, and what was our what was our planet called here? <laughs> we're starting off so good. Research. We're starting. We're starting off so good right now. We're starting off so good. Oh God, where is it? Uh Marokia, right? <laughs> yeah. Which is uh oh oh that's interesting. There's a little mappy map here. <clears throat> so it's um it's in the vicinity of both Bespin and Hoth. Yeah. Cool. Kind of like a desert planet near the un everything's near the darn un are you telling me that we were that close to bespin and we didn't go well let's let's not get crazy here we may or may not have been i'm just saying that the little dotted mappy thing here that that's like super duper not like official looks like they're in 
somewhat close proximity. (laughs) (laughs) And man, I could just, I could just imagine him going to Hoth and touching bones from a Tauntaun and just connecting, (laughs) this connecting to Luke and Han. Ah, this one, (laughs) this, this one lost its arm to a a Jedi. (laughs) All right. So this one kept a Jedi warm, not warm. Oh, that was, Poor, poor Tauntaun. He finds he finds Luke-warm. he finds the bones of the Tauntaun. <laughs> this one met a, a bad end, and housed by the way, ha- housed people in it, until I couldn't imagine a Jedi doing this. <laughs> well, it wasn't. It wasn't. <laughs> so anyway, so we we start with Car, and he, uh, we we learn like it's like very very early that we learn of his ability. He has a stormtrooper helmet, mm-hmm. and when he touches things, uh, as we've already sort of explained, um, he sees visions. So he is, I would say, obsessed with the Jedi. Um, mm-hmm. He had a grandmother who kind of attempted to focus his abilities, kind of, and. He's basically lying on the floor of his school, <laughs> you know, passed out uh, with a stormtrooper helmet Wishing on. he had some ibuprofen. Oh, God, yeah, for sure. This kid's got to go through that like candy. Vitamin I. Uh, and then we kind of have an interesting little, you know, it, it was actually kind of weird. We have another student who taunts him, but also kind of taunts the teacher. So it's like inmates running the Mm -hmm. asylum. And, uh, you know, then he kind of goes to force choke him. And, you know, the other student's like, oh, you're killing me. But, you know, it was all a big joke. So we get the we get the automatic kind of note here that he's a bit of an outcast. You know, he's not quite the Mm -hmm. he's not the popular kid in school. Probably doesn't have much in the way of friends. Maybe not a troublemaker, but, you know, kind of does what he does. So we get him, you know, sent to the office (laughs) where he promptly goes to carve his name into the bench, which, I mean, graffiti, yeah, dark side. Graffiti, yeah, car, go car, car is cool. Uh, Car, carve, car, (laughs) carve your name. And then we meet our second main character here, uh, Maisie. Maisie. Who's Mary Allen. Uh, Maisie. Uh, Re- uh, Rishi. Rishi. Rishni. Rishi, I think. Something like that. There's a couple consonants in there. And Maisie is also in trouble. And we kind of learn that Maisie is just perpetually in trouble. Mm-hmm. And we also learned that Maisie's dad's a first order officer. So this is this is the main reason why I wanted to go over this book because we're we're going through resistance, and it was something I I brought up at the time. I do remember vaguely talking about this, trying not to spoil anything because obviously we hadn't talked about this book. The framework of the first order in this book, again pre Force Awakens, makes it seem like the first order is just any other organization out there. They're just, nobody's threatened by them. They're living in your neighborhood. They're moving planets. Like your, your new weird friend here is like, Oh yeah, my dad's first order. It's fine. 
And I don't, I kind of wonder if, you know, there was maybe an early effort to kind of say, ah, you know, like the empire, there's not all bad people in the first order mm-hmm. when clearly in, we don't get that in the movies. We just, we see them as a big group of Nazis basically. Right. Um, but then we get this kind of story about this, you know, this kid and her family living on, you know, another planet, uh, you know, moving around dad's, you know, kind of, listen, is it fair to say that her dad is effectively like, uh, what would be the proper word? Like an inquisitor or not an inquisitor. Um, uh, wh- who's, who, who, what do we call the people that conduct torture <laughs> of spies? I mean, essentially he is, but it was so flippant how she explained it. It's like, you know, uh, you know, we just, he just makes sure that, you know, when we catch spies, we know what they know. And, and, and that's an important thing though, when we catch their spies, but when our yeah, spies are caught, they? he helps them out. Who's they? Exactly. Who is they? And we have to assume is they the resistance is it's the new Republic. The I mean, Republic? The, res- the resistance <laughs> wouldn't have even really been around at this point necessarily. I guess it could have been, but yeah, that's an important distinction. Is it the resistance? Is it the new Republic is the first order kind of like at this time, maybe was there a time when the first order was like, Hey, we're here to help the new Republic mm-hmm. or did they just, kind of take over systems always opposed to them well, right or did they just kind of sort of like take over these systems and say we're going to protect you from everyone we're here for you we're, mm-hmm. we're your protectorate now i don't know man i mean it, it that that's why i wanted to go over this book at the time because it, it was a very weird vibe from what we were seeing in the movies and it's almost off-putting even at the very end of this book when we see uh her father and her father's name uh is Vrock. It's like he's not that unlikable. Well, he's yeah. It's like he he's not he's not like a is he a bad guy? I mean, he's just your your everyday military man just trying to carve out a a spy a paycheck a spy's for his lung. family, and he's yeah busting kneecaps, you know, coming home, hugging his daughter. You know, he's just trying to take care of his family. Is you know his wife, who's just like super lazy, wakes up at noon and is like just terrible it it, it just seems it seems (laughs) it's a weird vibe yeah even even the stormtroopers like the way they interact with Carr and Maisie it's like you know they could be way worse I'm not saying they're great but like have you ever really learned anything about stormtrooper you could have ended up being just shot down in the middle of the street for no reason. Well, and that's the thing that that that's what makes me wonder. We we need like the rise of the first resistance. We I, I think mm-hmm. at some point we have to sort of explain how yeah, they, they what caused it. Well, I mean, we know what caused it. I mean, th- this was I mean, this, but like what 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 was the turning point? Like when did the first order become blatantly? bad enough oh, for see. people to be like, you know what? We need to just join them because they're fighting the res- the first well, order. But, but there this again, is a problem. as we're looking in resistance, and ne- I think in next week in our schedule, we're actually slated to go over the season two of resistance. Season right? two, yeah. So yeah. Even, even in the early stages of resistance, it's like 
Yeah, I mean, the First Order isn't so bad to some people. We're protecting, but we get the nefarious end. I almost wonder if this book was a little little washed out for the benefit of young people who maybe the writer didn't want to show them dark darkness as much. But mm-hmm. I've I've read so many books when I was younger that had much darker themes. It, it almost seems a little oh, bit yeah. out of place at the first order is like this. It's it's just an organization. I mean, you know, they it seems intentional, doesn't it? Yeah. The writing style for how we view the first order this early on. Yeah. So again, it it makes me wonder like how they, they came from the unknown regions and how they portrayed themselves and how they gained footholds because obviously they gave that they, they have footholds here and it almost, and it almost starts you to thinking it's like, do people in the outer rim actually villainize the new Republic? And maybe this was something it's like, Mm -hmm. Hey, you know, I mean, we we understand the empire is bad. We're not the empire, but you know, we do want order. We we want things to be. And you see, the New Republic, they can't do anything. They're no. they're they're in disarray all the time. They're barely taking care of the inner ring, yeah. let alone you guys. Right? They're not really doing it, but we will. We'll do. So maybe maybe their foothold in that outer rim was a lot more than could have been portrayed in in the uh, movies. Or yeah, and, shows. Per- and perception's a funny thing because I mean, even look at the Clone Wars era. You have these heroes of the Republic who eventually transition into being the Empire, mm-hmm. essentially. I mean, yeah, most of them are phased out, and stormtroopers aren't clones, but there's not that big of a change in their armor. You know, they're associated the same way, and you go from these people who just save all these random planets from the droids to people who just oppress. And the transition is just slow enough that everyone accepts it. Right. And it could be the same thing with the first order in the outer rim. Cause for a lot of people that are just dealing with this lawless territory, who's, you know, riddled with all these bandits and raiders and yeah, first order might seem like the best way to go because what else do you have? Their order. Right. And it, well, I mean, you, you talk about, you know, people from that Clone Wars era going on to being in the Empire. One of the ones that automatically popped into my my mind was Erlinda Price, you know, Governor Price mm-hmm. of Lothal. Yeah. She, yeah. you know, we got to hear about her story in the Thrawn books. And she was just like kind of low level, going to Coruscant, trying to make something of herself. She wasn't a bad person then. But Mm -hmm. she saw a lot of the disarray and fell into the propaganda and was loyal to the Empire until the end when she was eventually or when she eventually died during the liberation of Lothal. But like she didn't Mm -hmm. start out. But again, that's the difference between the storytelling of the Empire and then the storytelling of the First Order. The Empire had a lot of storytelling. We have a lot of these characters like. Well, even Tarkin. I mean, Tarkin, we saw in Clone Wars. Um, you know, mm-hmm. he was just, you know, a captain at the time. And, you know, he, he well, I mean, I mean, he was always a little shifty. But, you know, he started, he started somewhere. Everybody starts mm-hmm. somewhere. And some of those people weren't all that bad to begin with. But they bought into a bad thing, the Empire. And that's an important lesson for people. Um, you know, think for yourself, man. 
don't always mm-hmm. believe what they tell you. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, we might get that way with First Order. We might eventually get enough storytelling that we we start to empathize with the people in the Order a little more like we do with the Empire. Because, I mean, the Empire is getting to this weird stage where it's like, you know, with Alphabet Squadron and all this other stuff coming out, it's like, eh, I guess they weren't all that bad. I mean, they just didn't realize what was going on before, you know, Cinder and all Well, that I mean, they, they were lied to on a grand scale. Um, oh, yeah. You know, there, there was a lot of that. We're not really here for that. But, like, I actually don't think we're going to get that sympathetic story for the First Order. I, I think that legitimately... You don't think we'll get that effort put into I it? I don't think so. I mean, wh- what story could be told? I mean, like I said, do I think a rise of like the first order would be an interesting thing to dive into? Yes. Do I think we'll get that? No. Um, I mean, we got it's it's basically its origins at the end of aftermath. Um, so we kind of saw the the very very early spark, wink wink, of the first <laughs> order as as it was sort of born out of. Um, wow, I'm forgetting her name. Uh, our, our admiral, uh, who, uh, that's real bad. <laughs> you don't remember uh, either, do you? I'm thinking about it. <sighs> this is, uh, so, this is so, this, this is pathetic. Yeah. It, it, uh, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm getting Ray Sloan. So yes, Admiral Sloan, you know, is basically the start of the first order. Um, mm. Yeah. With her weird super children and Hux and Hux's dad, uh, so I don't know, man. I, I think I think that they're just well. Okay, let me back up. The first order is is because Palpatine is a thing. We obviously know that now. It's just Palpatine's spite plan. It's like Operation Cinder. Mm-hmm. It's just literally it's Palpatine continuing his 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 malicious you know, intent on the galaxy. And now it's like, well, you keep fighting back. Well, I'm going to be worse and worse and worse. So, you know, it's rough because like, think about star Wars as a whole, you got the empire in the center and you've got the separatists and the first order. And they're kind of on the same level. It's like, other than being a plot point, are they really all that exciting or, compelling it's like you're just something to fight the empire is something completely different i mean it's been fleshed out to the point where it's like you almost feel bad for some of these people but the separatists you never felt bad for them they were just you know a bunch of idiots i mean yeah they were trying to they're they're trying they're trying to help you know people in their companies their businesses trying to well, the, the, right this isn't really Clone time, Wars but episode, but I mean, true. But like, so, y- you can you can mark the similarities a bit. It's like they're just kind of puppets in a way. N- well, uh, I'm I'm gonna go ahead and and kind of kind of disagree and only equate it to one of to two things. So the Clone Wars separatist thing, the Republic separatists, that was more like the American Civil War. That was like a North and South. I think that that was more inevitable mm, because yeah. certain planets joining the separatists just felt driven out by the new republic. 
Now, obvious or the just the Republic. Now, obviously, that was all at kind of the plan of Palpatine, and then subsequently Dooku. But it's a little. I I feel it's a little different. Um, but whereas now, like the 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 M. The Empire is kind of more like World War One, where obviously we had, we had, we had the fight, but there's there's some mixed emotions about it now because things have been really fleshed out. Whereas the First Order is World War Two, and we are literally fighting the evil Nazis. Now, does that mean that mm-hmm. there were people that weren't terribly bad in Germany? Yeah, I mean obviously, but. You know, it was pretty clear that if you're first order, you're you're pretty bad. And I have to also ask this question, and we're getting a bit ahead, and we're not really following the story very well right now. But <laughs> let me ask you this: What do you think that Maisie's father's reaction was to Starkiller Base? Where do you Ooh. think Maisie and her family were during that period? You know, that's tough because that is a turning point. I mean, that's that's Operation Cinder. Essentially, no, 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 no. I mean, no, it's that, worse. No, 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 it's much no, it's, worse. It's not. It's 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 different. It is a turning. Po- no, but it is a turning point. If you're first order before Starkiller Base destroying the New Republic, that's one thing. If you continue to accept them after that, many people are killed. It's these. It's essentially the same as people continuing to follow the Empire after okay. Operation Sin. Ap- apologies, I understand what you're as, saying. As as far as like what you're willing to do, the monstrosities you'll accept. Yeah, um, I would almost say that I don't think that he would necessarily agree. I don't. I, I think he would be conflicted just because of the way he's written. He doesn't seem like that evil of a person, and maybe it's just the writer's intent to say, well, this is the side that they show their families and everyone in the light. They don't want their evil deeds to be seen, so they hide it. Yes, maybe he's one of the most evil people in the First Order, but it just seems to me that he wouldn't be the type to stomach Starkiller Base. Yeah, but you got to think about what his job is. I mean, he's not like some second-level clerk he's truly he's certainly not a good person i mean he he tortures people for a living potentially obviously but there's always that breaking point (laughs) i I, I mean that's kind of what i got from what i heard it's like you're probably torturous well i'm just saying that like waterboarding going on unlike the death star star killer base was not like doesn't seem like the biggest secret in the first order because like the, yeah. the original Death Star's construction was a huge secret within the Empire. I mean, it, we get mm-hmm. in the Thrawn novels where Thrawn, you know, had to go through a lot of hoops to figure out where all these resources were going. I mean, it was like a huge yeah. undertaking that was very well well hidden. Starkiller Base, I think, took the First Order. So first and foremost, it would make me assume that this guy knows exactly what's being built, you know. So at that point, he knows what's going to happen, and he's doing nothing to stop it. So that makes him a bad person. I mean, that True. makes him an evil person, which is but why we, I think the tone... Did, we know, did all of First Order know that, well, I guess is like the split down the road. Did they know what it was going to be used for right away, or did they think, oh, well, this is our defense? Again, again, man, stuff goes wrong. I I don't think you can frame it like that. I mean, the first order is not the empire. It is 
the spite plan of Palpatine. This is th- th- yeah. this is not They're not good people. Yeah, I mean Palpatine sure. learned that his empire was not enough to control rebellion. So what he mm-hmm. did was he wanted to just murder them all. So murder yeah. all resistance. So yes, I believe that they knew exactly what Star Killer base was for which makes these people unsympathetic. And I have to say that's that's the only problem I have with this book is the sympathy we start to feel for a first order officer who is very clearly in the intelligence sector of the first order. It yeah. it, it, it kind of bugs me a little bit. The more it didn't bug me as much when I read it the first time because that was pre-Rise of Skywalker. That was before, I think it was even before, no, it wouldn't have been before. We would have already known about Palpatine. Um, We would have already had the trailers, but we didn't know the, you know, we didn't know what we knew from Rise of Skywalker, like how Palpatine was really involved. This could have been something completely different. But I'm telling you, man, from that speech, from Hux, it is completely Nazi Germany. And I don't, it I is. don't know, man. I, I, I understand, but it's the writing. But it might have been the wrong story to tell, it or, or been. the wrong tone to take. But again, first order is kind of a difficult to, thing to do in this genre of writing, like this age demographic. It's almost something that you wouldn't want to touch, in a way. Because you can't do it justice, you know. But you I, can't show how severe they are. I, how I I, I disagree. They are. I've read way darker books that were written for it's a, a younger different generation. Though doesn't it's matter. That that that's. I mean. I mean. Look look at it, look at the Star Wars books we're getting. Honestly, compared to when we were kids, it's a poor excuse, though. I mean, babying children doesn't do anything. You you're, you are probably right. I'm just saying that it's a poor. I'm excuse. not agreeing with it. I'm just saying yeah. I feel like that's the reason. Yeah, I, I, yeah, and and maybe, but I, I just I found it to be now that I read it again, I found it to be a profoundly strange tone to take for someone who is obviously higher ish up in the first order. Mm-hmm. But before before because we've been running for a little while, let's let's try and get through a little bit more of our story because there's more to pick up on as we end the story. So there's a lot here we need to start talking about. So anyway, we were back at the school, very beginning of the book. We meet Maisie <laughs> to kind of speed run through a little bit here. Their friendship develops kind of quickly. Uh, Maisie's mm-hmm. obviously very um, rebellious. Uh, you know, a few days later after the whole initial thing, you know, like Carr's parents want to take him out of school, send him to trade school. The society is kind of interesting where they – they're they're all some sort of tradesmen, and his family are tailors. Yeah. So I actually found that was kind of an interesting planetary. Uh, it was inkling. But the next time we meet Maisie, she's breaking beakers in like a science room, and then they hatch this plan. Super emo. Super. Emo. Yeah, it is. <laughs> and we hatch this plan to effectively run away, and they do. They run away. Now I have to say that. I think I think every kid dreams of running away at some point. Oh yeah. We have fantasies. This is about kids it. It, this this is every kid's fantasy novel. Yeah, and <laughs> and in in kind of a weird way, I kind of like I thought back to 
I guess, I guess my thought process led me back to like high school and like a girlfriend that I had at the time. And it kind of reminded me a bit. Let's run away together. Well, no, it wasn't so much that, but it was just kind of like rebelling against normal stuff, you know, in our own little Mm. way and not not telling the parents about it. You know what I mean? So I kind of, I, you know, in, in a lot of ways being, being older, but still I, I had a, I had a decent connection to the two characters because I, I understood their their feelings of of what they were going through because I think we all go through some of those same feelings at that age. Yeah, and the writing was also kind of better compared to most Star Wars young novel young novels for this particular portion. I mean, some of these have been really cringeworthy, and this didn't ever really get to that point for me. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh yeah, he's awkward. You know, he hasn't talked to girls, but like they're having a actual organic relationship like they're actually developing normally you know this is not cringeworthy yeah and and i i also do want to include the narrator um ewan morton Mm -hmm. who i'm actually looking him up um he's done some acting oh he's uh playing king george in uh, hamilton since uh 2017 i'll be darned so he yeah he's well that's cool i know i've never i haven't watched it but i know a lot of people have been very high on on hamilton so anyway i thought he narrated the book really really well yeah um so i i I was uh i was pretty i was pretty happy pretty happy with with the portrayal and, and the voices so it doesn't look like he does anything else Star Wars, although he did um, he did voice uh, Sith Inquisitor in uh, Old Republic game. So that's kind of cool. Yeah, neat. All right. So continuing our story, we run away together. Uh, kids and, uh, well, not initially. They do kind of like plan this out a little bit. And we have our droid RZ-7 who is, uh, what was he, the body of a medical droid, the innards of like a protocol droid, and then like the brain of an astromech droid or something like that. Yeah. That was Which actually cool. works really well. He's probably one of my favorite droids in the past few books. Yeah. It, <laughs> kind of, yeah. Cool droid. I actually, I actually did think he was pretty neat. Um, he's not overly sassy. <laughs> it's amazing. Yeah. He, yeah. He's, he's more like a friend, which, okay. Yeah. So, which is mentioned multiple times. Like, you know, Carr doesn't have anyone. So, right. He's very important to him. Well, and another thing, drawing some parallels here between like Carr and Anakin in a way, where, yeah. where Anakin builds a droid, you know, effectively to help mm-hmm. his mom, but kind of also to be his friend because, you know, Anyway, he's lonely. I thought it was kind of funny, uh, funny happenstance there, parallels. Well, anyway, we uh, we steal we steal Maisie's dad's ship, um, the Avadora, which is a first order yacht, and they just kind of start traveling the galaxy looking for artifacts for uh, for <laughs> car to touch. Can I touch it? How many times? It's like that's that's not inappropriate at all. <laughs> Can I touch it? No, you can't touch it. Stop touching things. But through this, this is where we begin the Easter eggs because like the very first thing on the adventures that he touches is a staff and we get a vision yeah. of Obi-Wan Kenobi. 
Which is actually my favorite part of the entire book, yeah. truthfully, is everything in Utapau. It's Yeah, amazing. and th- this is like before <laughs> they confront Grievous. Yeah. I mean, wow. And this is a guy he talks to. It's like, if you have fighters, now's the time. Yeah. It's like, it's it's a really cool Easter egg, because like, who thought of that guy after that scene? Yeah, very, very who interesting. Who thought of him? Right. So, yeah, I'm glad you were remembering names, because I was uh, struggling for that, but yeah, Utapal and um, going to the junk shop, and again with that staff, yeah. so that was that was really, really neat. And they kind of jump around a little bit, and then they wind up on a strange little planet. What was that planet called? I don't think we've ever seen it before. Completely new, definitely desert. Could have a little scavenger girl yeah. somewhere out there. Maybe Start called with a J. I think it starts with a G, but anyway, no. I'm just kidding. <laughs> so so we, we go to Jakku. We go to Jakku. Yeah. We literally get in mm-hmm. the same ration line that we see Ray going into, into with Uncar Plot, yeah. which is crazy. I remember that amount. name. It's like even even the same amount. One quarter portion. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, it you know, they literally stood on the deck of the, the Millennium Falcon. He got yeah. a vision yeah. in the Millennium Falcon of of Obi-Wan feeling the death of Alderaan. Yeah. Like, it was amazing. Again, like, it, out of all the things you would do for Easter eggs, I mean, not the first thing I'd tackle. Again, it's like, <laughs> not, not. it's so on the it's nose. It's very Obi-Wan-centric, too. We get quite a few Obi-Wan references. It's pretty cool. I mean, literally, I was just, you know, I was waiting for, oh, I, we ran into this girl with a staff. She didn't notice us or something. Yeah. It, she had a ball droid trailing behind her. I don't know what was going on. Um, but anyway, we, we get a little bit more Thonkar plot and, you know, like his collection of things and mm-hmm. anyway. How much of a jerk he is. Yeah, he's, he's a blo- <laughs> the blobfish. Total jerk. We, we kind of knew that. Yeah. But anyway, we also get Maisie being uh, captured by the First Order mm-hmm. and being brought back. Mm-hmm. And and again, the interactions are so like you kind of alluded to earlier. The interactions are, you know, kind of cordial, not like crazy, but they leave the ship and they leave car. Yeah. It's like, yeah, sure, just go Why off. Why would fun. you do that? You're the first order. <laughs> the first order. Why wouldn't you kill him? Yeah. It, like like, like seriously. Well, not, I mean, again, and I think that they're probably in low key mode, but all I'm saying is that you're leaving the ship, you're leaving this kid that was clearly with the girl. It's like, I don't know, one track mind much. But they weren't in low key mode with resistance. Well, I know that. I mean, like, it's just, and maybe the timeline's a little different, but like, it's just odd to me. Yeah. To see them so polite. Like, he literally, he knocks into one, like, pushes him over. He's just, like, completely fine with it. Mm-hmm. Doesn't say anything. Doesn't say a word about it. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I'm with you. I It was, it was something. I, I, I don't know. Um, we also get an interesting little Easter egg concerning the end of Sifo-Dyas, where yeah. Carr meets uh, a pike who explains to him that he knows where a ship of an old Jedi master was that the pikes helped took down, take down mm-hmm. 
And this was how pathetic does this make the pikes look? By the way, well, yeah, and I mean we 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 did get them in in Clone Wars a bit, and obviously, like the death of Sifo Diaz was more directly attributed to um, Dooku. Uh, yeah, he he pays the pikes. I right, mean, the pikes just do a job essentially. They didn't facilitate this. Well, the, the interesting thing is the the pikes were pretty powerful for a, a little while. I mean, they were basically a crime family syndicate type deal. But yeah, yeah, I mean, it just sort of seems a little bit little bit meh. But the finding of the shuttle and the finding of DS's uh little hologram and him talking about his decision to commission the clone army which is something we knew right i mean we knew that yeah. sifo diaz was the one who i mean that's in the movies but yeah this is like this is his kind of confession of it all sort of deal and yeah i mean we all know he was kind of manip- manipulated a little bit by palpatine to do this but like for him to acknowledge you know hey this might not be the best decision I might live to regret this if I actually survive this, yeah. but it's it's what I thought was right, and no one backed me. And he he is one of the most sympathetic, relatable characters I feel like you could really pick for this kind of story. Yeah, I really appreciated adding adding him into this. Yeah, and I mean we we got quite a bit of si- younger Sifo-Dyas in the Dooku Jedi Lost. Uh, audio Which drama I greatly appreciated yeah. yeah but more so his ability to see the future which is why he commissioned the army because again his mm-hmm. visions were showing him a very dark future that they would need this army for he mm-hmm. just kind of misinterpreted it but yeah. this also gets our our young car kind of thinking about things when he finally holds a saber the unfortunate thing with that saber is it was not a Jedi saber. Mm-hmm. Um, we also go to Batu as well. And um, in, in the, oh, sh- God, I'm so terrible tonight. It's just too late. I can't remember anything. Oh, <laughs> uh, what was our, what was our uh, shop owner's name? I should know this guy's name. Oh, uh, Doc. Ar- Doc Ondar. Ondar. Ondor, not Ard. Yeah, well, I mean, he's not. He's in the Disney park, for God's sake. Yeah. Anyway, so Doc, um, Doc Ondor. No, no, no. So with Carr's explanation that he has credits mm-hmm. and wants to see Jedi artifacts, Doc brings out several sabers, and we come to find out that Doc. I mean, it's. Sh- Probably more evident than what we can understand from a book, but uh, Carr had also t- touched a Temple Guard's mask, and mm-hmm. he's seeing visions of Anakin Skywalker. Yeah. And he'd already seen visions of Luke, so now things are getting kind of muddled. It's like, wait a minute. Well, yeah, that was yeah, that this was another done. thing. We're, we're getting muddled like, here, too. This, this Skywalker guy, he's done great things, but he's also evil. But he did the great things after he did the evil things. Well, I don't he, understand. He's also really old. He's got to be, like, older than dirt. And this Obi-Wan guy, how old is he? <laughs> I keep seeing him. But, like, he's an old man when Skywalker's young. 
and he's younger when Skywalker's evil. I don't. Yeah, understand. It, it was it was yeah interesting. But anyway, which is which is weird because like you see these visions, so you can see the people. Clearly, they're not the same people. But okay. Well, I mean, I, I think it's a, a lot coming to a young kid. Probably he's not picking yeah. out everything. But anyway, Ondar reckons there's something a little bit odd about him, but he, he does bring out this inquisitor saber. It's broken. It's cheap. And when he touches it, Carr sees a vision of in quotations himself, basically killing Jedi. And this starts to get him down this road. It's like, do I have like uh, a premonitions like Saifa Diaz? Am I going to grow up to be an inquisitor or, you know, a Sith or something like that? Is my journey not going to be the way I want it to be? Well, let's continue down the line because we also meet another character that we're pretty well acquainted with, and that's Maz Kanata. Doc mm-hmm. uh, sends him on an errand to, uh, to Maz. And this was actually kind of cool. I did like this part of it the story. Um, Maz kind of, and, and you know, she kind of fell a little flat at times on the screen, mm-hmm. but you know, was was fine here. And she tests him. She tests him with a "Hey, here, here, kid, touch this." And it was uh, Luke what, Luke's medal from uh, yeah. from our from our first from movie, New Hope. New Hope, New yeah, Hope. yeah, it's very very cool, very cool little vision he gets. Yep. Yeah, sees Leia, Luke. Uh, Han and Chewie. So that was, uh, that was neat. And knowing that he is, you know, really the real thing, they reveal the package. And of course it's the coolest thing in the world. You know, it's totally Luke's lightsaber. No, it's, it's C3PO's. Did you think that was going to happen the first time you read it though? No, I did. I I didn't really think about that. I'll be honest. But like what it winds up being is C3PO's arm. Which I'm sorry, makes complete, in perfect sense. Well, I mean, in a way, yeah. Well, as we got into Force Awakens, we realized that three PO has a red arm, so he obviously yeah. lost an arm. So here's his lost arm. <laughs> but the funny thing about that is, C three PO has seen everything. He was literally yeah. there from the beginning. From the beginning, and Car gets to see pod racing. He sees, you know, ships. He sees people. He sees everything about the Jedi from you know, that Clone Wars era and beyond. For somebody with that ability, that is probably like the Encyclopedia Britannica of Jedi. Yeah. Crazy I mean, it's, enough. It's, it's an equivalence to years of training and learning in right. a way for him. Now, one thing... And, and, and it's been emphasized at this point, he's not really looking to learn how to be a combatant. I mean, he, he wants to be a Jedi, but he doesn't really understand what that means. And for him, the knowledge is so much more important yeah. than the ability to be a fighter. Yeah, I don't really think he's thought out too much about like his real Jedi path. He just knows he wants to continue down that path. Um, yeah. Now, one thing I did want to bring up here is that he makes a kind of an interesting assumption about Anakin. because he, And it wasn't like right here. It was a little further down. But he basically says that you know, Anakin was just a, you know, confused kid, you know, who was basically manipulated. He wasn't a bad kid or anything like that, but like I could turn out exactly that way, you know what I mean? Yeah. And I th- which is something that really I feel like everyone should 
kind of admit while watching Star Wars. We it, we could all be Anakin. Yeah. Yeah, and easily. I just thought it was interesting that he saw that. Saw Anakin yeah. that way that he wasn't a bad person, but a few wrong turns can take you down a very dark path. And for him to have sort of the omnipotence to see that and understand that at his age and without training, without really understanding everything about the Jedi and having not have even been there or known the guy. I do think that that was a very interesting thing or a very interesting thought process to, to have. I thought that was kind of neat. Well, there's a certain wisdom that <laughs> ignorance can get you, give you, I guess, because the Jedi of the time, with what they knew, the lifestyle they've had, they couldn't imagine going down the dark side because they've known nothing but the light Yeah, from beginning of their lives, and most of them have been sheltered in a way. Yeah, no doubt. Anakin wasn't sheltered. Yeah, He lived a real life. True that. Well, let's let's continue our push here because we're we're getting towards the end of the mini adventure of Car and RZ, and they're captured mm-hmm. by the First Order. First Order comes On back a around. Ice planet. <laughs> now, this is a First Order that's starting to show its true colors. But again, even with this, the reaction of Car is very strange to the First Order. Um, like he doesn't know what he's truly dealing with. Right. So we have a, uh, you know, I guess an officer coming in here to question him. And he is of the opinion that Carr has found this map to Luke Skywalker. And what he really found was a, was like a holocron for, uh, of Sifo He didn't find yeah. anything with Skywalker. He just happened to learn about the history along the way. But the First Order is, you know, I mean, we know that eventually, and this was the whole kind of point of Force Awakens, was finding Sky. we got to find Skywalker. Mm-hmm. And they think that uh, that Carr knows something. And whereas they don't torture him, they shoot his droid. Yeah. And even with that, he still doesn't. Like, get the first order. It's the strangest thing to me, looking through the lenses of now. If this was the first order that we know, the second he said, if I knew where Luke Skywalker was, I'd be begging on my knees for him to train me. Good call. He would have been shot. Well, I don't think he would have been shot. I think he would have been taken After all knowledge was taken from him, he would have been killed. I, I think he would have been taken to Snoke or something Potentially, to that effect. Yeah, yeah. Because at that point, you are essentially openly admitting that you have force abilities. Yeah. yeah. So And they just ignore it. Yeah. It was very... That was an odd exchange. Any officer that knew to look for Luke Skywalker, <laughs> Luke Skywalker would know that that'd be a trigger to do something. Yeah. But it, it's just... Odd. But again, like Carr still, it, it seems like he just views, oh, that was just a jerk within the First Order. He was just being a jerk. Yeah. I can repair my droid. They left Bumbling my ship. Stormtroopers. Yeah, I mean, they left my ship. I'm cool. I'll just pick my droid up and, and I'll go home. why did they? Why did they, other than just for the sake of the plot, why would they leave the ship that they know belongs to the First Order? It's a First Order. I mean, not First Order ship, but it's 
owned by an officer yeah. of the First Order. Well, so here... Why would they leave that? Well, he, here's, an, here's an argument that you could use for Maisie's father, okay? I wonder if Maisie's father reported this or if they truly did intercept a communique because, well, the officer had like a, you know, a recording of Maisie telling her father about kind of Carr and sort of his adventures. Yeah. Did Maisie's father transmit that to the first order to check him out or did the first order intercept that? And maybe Maisie's father is blameless. Based on how he interacts with Carr later on, I would almost say he is. So take take let let's just take that rosy kind of happy, fun, jokey family scene aside. If if we're talking about a first order officer who is in intelligence, clearly, would he not report that conversation? You would think. <laughs> But it's just the way that it's portrayed in the book. It seems like he didn't. Correct. Yeah, I, I'm with you there. I am with you there. It definitely. He would have also appear. reported his ship stolen. Maybe. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I mean, yeah. But they left him there, and he limps yeah. back home. You know, yells at his parents and stuff. And <laughs> what a kid! His parents are just knitting. It's like, what are you keeping from me? Oh, and by the way, he's never touched RZ once. Yeah, I hated that. That was probably my least favorite part of the book. It's like, he's your... You made him. He's your robot. You never perform maintenance afterwards. You never touched any part of him. Come on. He built him. Okay, so... Well, the memories would have been implanted after building him, but maintaining him, he would have touched him. Yeah, what I'm saying is he built him. So, yeah, you're right in your line of thinking there maintenance anyway le- yeah. well oh, he's always wearing my gloves that's like a, that's like the harry potter no. that's like the harry potter plot plot uh, plot hole well if harry was truly a horcrux when he was bitten by the snake in chamber of secrets he would have destroyed the soul wouldn't he oh plot hole jk rowling checkmate um it's kind of the same thing here he's never tr- touched that droid with a with a hand that seemed kind of odd yeah. but and 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 Here's another thing. The vision he saw was terribly insignificant. Yeah. Because it was just... It kind of was. It was just, you know, his parents, you know, keeping the secret of who his grandfather is, basically, which we'll yeah. talk about in a second. That, that's so insignificant. It sh- it, it's totally just to move the book along. Yeah. That was weird. He would have figured that all out with or without that. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway... We go back home. Maisie's trying to get a hold of him. Carr thinks she's betrayed him, which coincidentally, mm-hmm. do you like that Maisie was taken so quickly and then we had just Carr and RZ time? Because I kind of like Maisie being there. I, I didn't like it. I kind of wanted her to be a part of the whole story. Truth yeah, they just kind of... I understand it was a plot point to move the story along a bit to force him to go back home. <laughs> Ultimately, but I would have appreciated more time with both of them. Maisie's a cool character. Yeah, yeah, for for sure. I just I don't know. I just thought it was kind of kind of interesting, an interesting um, mm. thing to do. All right. So then we get back home. We learn that Carr's great grandfather, uh, Knock Med, 
which is an interesting name, but Nachmed was a Jedi at one point who left mm-hmm. the order and had a family and, you know, his grandma, Carr's grandma was, you know, or his daughter. Did you kind of expect that early on just with how much she was in tune to the force, not being sensitive? I, I thought that there would be something more to it. Um, uh, at least a message from the grandmother, which we also got to. I didn't necessarily yeah. think about like a Jedi, but I, I thought that there would be something more to that story that the grandmother would have to reveal through like a hologram or something like that. Um, but we have this whole kind of sit. Well, Maisie does show up after Carr stops answering him, and it's like, no, I was just talking to my father. Why? Because he's my father. I didn't rat you out. Okay, we're friends again. Let's go talk to your family. Yeah. Oh, we're eating some red cheese, stains our teeth, and I'm here, and you know we're having happy family together, fun time. It's like, God, you guys are awful close. You, you like getting married or something on your on yeah. your route out there? I mean, this is. <laughs> And stop eating my cheese. Stop eating my red cheese. Go go brush your teeth. <laughs> Why is this cheese staining your teeth? So weird. Um, <laughs> but yeah, the the Carr's father and mother finally do tell him about you know their great grandfather, his great grandfather, and the fact that you know they made a deal with Carr's grandmother to deal with his headache problem in their own way. The parents were going down the medical route and his grandma was going down the force route and neither of them believe the other type of deal. But now the parents are firmly on board because Maisie told him about all the amazing force visions that he's had. So they're totally on board with it. Now it's, it's completely the force. Oh, by the way, your great grandfather, total Jedi. So it makes sense. Um, yeah, don't listen to your mother, who is the daughter of a Jedi, who would have some authority on that <laughs> topic. Just listen to this random 16-year-old girl. It's fine. Yeah. It's perfectly fine. It's good. Well, she was old. So. Um, so we do have the, the ransacking of Grandma's old room. Uh, we find the hologram. She you know, tells the story, kind of where to find... Uh, where her father uh, lived, because when the Empire took over, Order 66, um, his great-grandfather, old Nachmed, decided to go into hiding, just in case, didn't want to endanger his family, totally get it. Kept some communication open with her, so she sort of pieced together Mm -hmm. where he lived. And then we get the Maisie show with her family, which was happy, slappy, fun time, laughs Ah. and jokes, uh, with a First Order officer and his uh, trophy wife, trophy Mary Allen wife, who doesn't get up before lunchtime. <laughs> I hated this part of the book, honestly. I mean, it, it was, it was. I don't. I, well, that's a, that's a harsh thing to say, but it was not. It's ki- it's kid stuff, man. Uh, Listen, it's it's kid speech. It, you have to put your put your mind at a time. When, you know, you practice those speeches to your parents that you probably never got out and she just yeah. happened to tell them. It's like, you know, I, I hate that we move around and I, I made this whole list of places that I wanted to go with these things. And I realized that all I wanted was just to be a real family and everything. Yeah. That's the dream of a lot of kids. They just want to be a real yeah. family. They just don't know how to say that, you know, and parents don't always know how to take that even if it's said. 
It's very true. And honestly, the actual message of this, they handled very well. It's just the... It's the backdrop of it. The fact that you're talking to a First Order officer about this. You know, the thing that actually got me through this entire speech was I kept... Maybe it's weird to think about, but I kept thinking, you know, there was probably the daughter of a Nazi officer who at some point said something really similar. It's not that hard to believe that this happens. I mean, family's family. You're going to act different around your family no matter how terrible of a person you are. You're going to treat them better. Right. Because ultimately he's doing this for his family. I mean, he's trying to carve out a a life for them. So, I mean, the fact that he can have a little humanity through them is still understandable. True. It is. So I also want to get back to some of our early conversation that really sidetracked getting through the book. <laughs> um, but he, he, you know, Maisie's father basically is like, you know, oh, you could fly me to work and maybe we could get you an internship on my team and you could learn how to break ankles yeah. just like old dear old dad. It'll be great. Take your daughter to work day. Why is there so much screaming? Um, that's the trash compactors whining with people. <laughs> I mean, it was like, again, it's like it's toning down something that's that's potentially so evil. And it's, yeah. it's it's a little it's a little weird, but again, it's making a job yes. out of evil, and that that's why I'm so curious to know how the first order was taken because for this guy, for this family, it feels like every CBS sitcom out there where dad goes to work and you know mom's home and daughter doesn't get along with anybody until they have a heartfelt episode and. And then they all come together and they joke about getting car tattooed on her face, you know, yeah. and, and they, <laughs> you car, I'm going to kill you later with all your rebel friends. Don't worry about it. Uh, my daughter will help break your knees. Um, so it, it was, it's, it's, um, it's so toned down. It's just, I don't know, man. It's, it's a commie. It really is. Yeah. And man, that kind of made Maisie's. Mom out to be a worthless piece of crap. <laughs> yeah, and <laughs> in a way. So we. Di- I kind of didn't like that, honestly. Well, we haven't really talked about it. They're they're extremely rich. Um, yeah, and yeah. she she is portrayed to be the sitcom trophy wife that mm-hmm. is probably kind of lazy, uh, obviously not terribly happy. You know, my husband works all the time. Where's the spark? Where's the spark of our romance? And I can't relate to my daughter because she doesn't have face tattoos like we all do. Which, yeah. you know, there, God, there's so many people out there that are like, you know, coming of age. You have to get a tattoo because we're Mary Allens. Uh, you know, <laughs> anyway. It's, it's the opposite. I don't want a tattoo. Yeah, I don't You're want your get tattoos. one, young lady. You'll get a tattoo and you'll like it right on your face. Well, I'm only putting it on half my face because I'm only half Muriel. <laughs> uh, yeah, so that was that was kind of funny, kind of comical. But the plan is is uh, to to take the ship out, and uh, also this is isn't this such like a like a brick thrown at like affluent families? Like you're grounded, but you can totally take the ship to the next galaxy and go see yeah. where Carr's granddad lived. Yeah, sure, it'll be great. But I'm going to monitor you, young lady. <laughs> I'm going to put trackers on it, and I'm going to see how you fly alone with a kid and a robot. 
and that that robot's gonna record everything so don't don't get into a funny business oh my goodness. yeah i i just <laughs> i thought that, that was you know again it's a little bit of a shot at affluence where you know i mean i yeah. i we we weren't you know we didn't grow up uh, particularly uh wealthy or anything like that i mean definitely the kind of quintessential small town middle of the road family um mm-hmm. you know sort of vibe <laughs> i I could talk about a lot of that, but I'm not going to. But I do remember like friends of mine who came from very affluent families, you know, and had a lot more money and, uh, you know, going to their houses and, you know, just the interactions and so forth. It's, it's, Feels very much like that. It's like yeah. we're going to Columbus and we're going to Hooters and uh, on Wednesday nights, which we did sometimes. We just, you know, one of my buddies and his <laughs> in his Cadillac and you know, <laughs> one of my affluent buddies and we just, <laughs> I'm tagging along for the ride, you know, going to going to get some wings and in, in Columbus, you know what I mean? Um, nearly dying every time he passed a semi like a crazy person. <laughs> I can re- I can just relate so much to these characters because it reminds me of a lot of things that I experienced when I was a kid. Yeah, the little rich girl with her fancy space yacht, you know, going to Hooters on Utapal, you know, or whatever. Yeah. So <laughs> we're just going to the next solar system. It's totally fine, Dad. Um, but anyway, she talks her parents into it and at the cost of like, flying your murder dad to murder camp and getting a face tattoo from your mom's tattoo hookup or whatever. So, <laughs> um, the conversation at cars, <laughs> so, so weird. Uh, the conversation at cars, parents house is a little bit more down to earth, I guess. Uh, <laughs> You and logical, like no, we just got you back. You're not going across the galaxy. You want to? You crazy? you want us to reward you for going across the galaxy without our permission? Well, you know, this time I'm asking. Oh well, okay, sure, that's fine. Is that Maisie girl? Wait, going we with haven't you? even sure. grounded you yet, young man. We still need to get that. Out <laughs> way. He wasn't even grounded. They just let him go. Uh, it's like I'm I'm proud of you, son. You showed a lot of guts. Mom's like. I'm just going to go drink some more milk and cheese. <laughs> How stopped up is this family? It's like cheese oh God, and milk so cheese. and crackers. Like eat a vegetable for God's sake. <sighs> anyway, so affluent girl and, and space boy uh, <laughs> go off on another adventure uh, to find Nachmed on uh, Pamba. The planet Pamba. What a name. I don't think... I, I didn't really look up uh, this. It doesn't look like uh, there's anything lore-wise in connection. It was just completely made up for this book. Kind of a swamp planet. And guess what? To move the story along, Nachmed's still... Still yeah. alive? What? Perfectly fine. You know, he's probably only about 130 years old, but okay. And I guess we don't get a genealogy. Maybe he's, you know, mixed with some alien race that lives longer, sure. Just says he's human. Just It's just very odd. Well, here's the thing. So in, in his profile, we have 
born between 68 BBY to 66 BBY, died 30 ABY. So that would make him... Math. You want to do math real quick? When's the end of ABY again? I don't know. A <laughs> hundred. It's not math that's the issue. A <laughs> hundred, right? Yeah, at least he's a hundred. Yeah. No, it. No, but but in all seriousness, it, it, it counts down. So he would have been sixty years, or it, at bare minimum sixty six, at the turn of the coding. So that means he was between ninety six and ninety eight. At yeah. this time when he died. So he was almost 100 years old. Yeah. And so that means, uh, what? No, that, what? N- no, that can't be right. So we're saying that Jahar, who was born... 19 BBY died 30 ABY. Maybe I don't remember the calendar all that well because that can't be right. She'd be young. No, I hate this calendar. <laughs> yeah, I do. it is terrible. So <laughs> garbage. Whatever, dude. She was, I don't know, it appears that she was younger than what I actually. Do I really want to look up a flipping calendar? I don't want to do this. Don't do this in the middle of a podcast. We'll look it up later. I don't want to, but I want to know. Like, I want to. I want to know how to do space math, <laughs> dude. I wonder if there's like a like a calculator. Oh, there's got to be a calculator, dude. I'm looking it up. <laughs> Star Wars age calculator. <laughs> you think there is? You think this is fun fun entertainment for the folks? Uh, I think it should have been just part of the wiki what his age was. That would have been much easier than just telling us to do space math. Yeah, it just gives it just gives a date range. Here's a Reddit post who's asking the same like, question. Is there a Star <laughs> Wars year calculator out there? <laughs> y- yeah, so I don't I don't know man. I mean Oh, wow. Oh, so he would be much What? What? Okay. This is this is a road I don't want to go down like I mean, listen, there are people like doing math and like no, you're wrong and I'm wrong and no, they're <laughs> this age and this is Let me read this guy's explanation. What? My dude. Okay. Okay. We got to stop. We got to end this podcast right now. We're done. This is stupid. If any of you have a sign. You're going down a rabbit hole. You don't want to go down. Yeah. Stop. Some, some ridiculous Reddit post. Okay. Let's finish a story because we do encounter uh knockmed, right? He's still alive. He's terribly old. He has a green lightsaber and he ignited it. Uh, but he's he had, hunched over ready to use it. Yeah. But he totally knew this was his grandkid, although he just wanted to scare him a little bit like any good swamp grandpa would. Um, yeah. And they have, you know, kind of an interesting conversation where 
they realize that the Inquisitor's saber that Carr has was actually an Inquisitor that Nachmed fought. The Grand Inquisitor, I believe, is even mentioned. I don't think that... Well, uh, okay, yeah, you're believe, right. I'm I believe, sorry. It, I nope, believe he says You are 100% right. I'm literally looking at it right, right here. So he was tracked down by the Grand Inquisitor, and he, but interestingly enough, he was able to break the Inquisitor's blade here. So on power scaling... He would have been fairly old still at that point and out of the order for a while, so that's hard to believe. And I, and I don't think he reached the, the rank of Master. I believe he left the, the order as a knight. Um, and by the way, leaving the order, um, he had fundamental disagreements with the the way the order was going and, and attachment and everything. And, and he just left, but yeah, to fight the grand inquisitor obviously didn't kill him. I mean, we know that, but he was able to get away from him. He, he defeated him. He broke his saber. Mm-hmm. That seems to be pretty impressive to me. Yeah. You know, I mean, don't think about the power scale part of it. Yeah, power scaling is terrible, but I'm just saying that that seems pretty impressive because he, the Grand Inquis I mean, he's a Grand Inquisitor for a reason. Um, yeah. As yeah. far he's as saber second combat, second in command to Vader, essentially in power scale. Yeah, I mean, time. but I'm just who has the Grand Inquisitor really fought? I mean, obviously Kanan. I mean, that was pretty prevalent in Rebels. We really don't have a whole lot more on the Grand Inquisitor other than Rebels, truthfully. Probably a book here or there. Well, anyway, I, we don't really have to go too far down that rabbit hole. We can assume he was pretty B.A., but he was able to, you know, certainly overpower Kanan. Kanan eventually defeated him. So I don't know. Was the Grand Inquisitor all that great? Who knows? But moving on, we had the fight with 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 Graham, with the old granddad here, and uh, very interesting. But the other thing too that he helped Carr understand was the the vision was jumbled between the Jedi that the Inquisitor had killed and the encounter with with his grandfather here. So so Nachmed looking a lot like a young Carr. He just mistook yeah. him, but then jumbled the visions of the dead Jedi and kind of smashed it all together. So his vision was effectively nothing. It's not as How'd destiny. you feel about that? Oh, I thought it was a great. I thought it was that? a great explanation, personally. Yeah, yeah. It was a great way to dance around that vision and and kind of bring it back around. So I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah, because any Force vision kind of alludes to madness and just. Uh, misinterpretation yeah nine times out of ten so again that's what happened to sifo diaz i mean he yeah he was played clearly made him mad yep (laughs) well um i don't know that i have a ton to talk about knock med with here but he does pass you know uh, Mm um car yeah car lets him know you know it's like your your daughter lived a, a long life which right now until i get a good calculator i don't believe because judging by my earlier <laughs> math, that would have only made her 49. Which, oh, again... No. That would make no sense whatsoever. So that would make Nachmed over 100 years old if if I figure out how to do space math one day. Because, right. again, it does. It counts down. It's, it's, it's like B.C. and A.D. 
So it counts, it counts down and then starts counting up. So Mm -hmm. typical brain would be once BBY hit zero. So again, we're, we're talking, this is Jahar's page. So again, accuracy, who knows, just Wikipedia, but born 19 BBY died 30 ABY. So that's, that's the thing. It's like Uh. 19 years to zero and then 30 years to ABY would only leave her at 49. So that can't be right. I have to get, I'm diving into Reddit after this. I'm finding a calculator. There's got to be a small period in between. There has to be. That's the only way that this makes any sense. <laughs> My dude, I'm going down, I'm going down the, the foxhole here in a little bit here, down the rabbit hole. Maybe not a foxhole. Foxhole. Don't go down cool. that foxhole. Anyway, bother, it, that bothers me so much. I have to know space math one day. Anyway, so. Nachmed does pass after the reinsurance from Carr. You know, it's all good. We're, we're going to get there. You know, your, your life wasn't in vain. The family line still continues. I'm here. And he starts to understand his destiny. Um, and I want to say that we had a, a quote. Uh, I had a quote pulled up here, if I can find the darn page. Uh, yeah, so I'm going to just read this quote. I spent so long trying to figure out how to be a Jedi and how to master the Force, but I've looking I've been looking at it all wrong, Maze. Ma, or excuse me, Maz Kanata knew uh, that what she was trying to tell me was uh, tell me with the milk. I'm not the milk. You're losing me, Car. I don't get it. That's okay because I get it finally. I'm not the milk. I'm the glass. I'm the one who sees the past and the truth about what happened there. I'm the one who holds the memories. So this is where we start to get that he is the force collector. And by that, he means he is basically the historian of the Jedi, mm-hmm. so to speak. Which is more important of a role than you could even really fathom. Yeah. At the time. Well, so many people at this time, they they still have very poor opinions of the Jedi. We even got that uh, in our first planet we we visited. Oh, by the way, that shopkeeper. He is the son of a clone. Yes, I forgot about that. Yeah, yeah, that was really cool. Yeah, so the son of a clone. Also very, very bad opinion of the Jedi. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he hated the Jedi because he had bought into the hype. I mean, you know, why Why yeah. would my father have turned on him? Why did he die? He died in the war. I mean, why would he have turned on the Jedi if they weren't bad? So the galaxy is not really all for the Jedi, even 30 years after the Battle of Yavin. Well, what would have caused them to be? I mean, we don't really know how far Luke reached with his temple. I mean, what good did he really do in the galaxy after he started training? Well, here's part of my part. The, the, here's part of my problem. Part of my problem is this: in the old canon, the story of what Luke did was everywhere. Yeah. Why did we not write that? permeation in this iteration of the galaxy like why wouldn't people why we know make luke so unimportant essentially yeah it kind of i don't know it, it, it i don't want to rag on i don't want to rag on the sequels i don't because honestly i don't really feel like ragging on it it's not oh, i'll rag on what they did to luke yeah but i mean, I mean we we need i don't know i let's 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 end this book here yeah. Let's end the book. Um, they go home. 
lots of hugs, high fives. We're best of friends forever, I guess. Um, I got to go learn trade because I'm not going to make money as a force collector. Yeah, <laughs> sorry, Maze. You got to go to school. You know, we can ride bikes on the weekends, though, and maybe go out for pizza and, like, date and stuff and kiss. Um, but not right now. I have to go write a book. A long time ago. <laughs> Come on. Do it. Yeah. Write down in a galaxy far away. Write it down. <laughs> write it down. Come on. Just do it. Yeah. So <laughs> it, it is interesting, and... It, it does make me wonder about what happens to these two kids as we go through. I mean, I, you know, I'm not always typically like that, but I do kind of wonder what happened to the kids. You know, yeah. did they, yeah. did Carr have to go into hiding? Did Maisie follow her father into the, the death internment or uh, internship? Um, you know, did she really fly her dad to like a first order installation? I mean, because again, we're we're talking 30, 30 ABY or potentially after thirty ABY, so that means we're not that far away from the events of First Awakens, which right. is Star Killer flipping base. So everybody's world is going to be turned upside down. I can't again. Would Maisie have even been on that planet? Would his father have relocated her? Again, there's there's just too many layers to that, you know. There, there's a reality that this book isn't touching. Yeah, that's kind of tough. So anyway, that's the book. It'd be a lot to cover in the book we have. Well, yeah, I mean it's it's uncoverable because they they definitely stop before Force Awakens, but and I don't think we'll ever really hear about these characters again. Which is, you know, eh, kind of sad. I mean, I could, I could go for a little bit more of them, like a cameo I, or something. You know, I think we could see Carr eventually. Maybe if we do another time jump, and he's an older man, and he's teaching a new generation. I think that'd be kind of cool. Just a nice little Easter egg for those willing to take the time to read the books. Yep, him and him and Maisie got married. Defying pops, yeah. have a quarter Mary Allen. Yeah, it'd be quarter great. Mary Allen got. Got a very small tattoo and some headache issues. It's no big deal. Oh God. Some headache issues. <laughs> Jeez. Is my face tattoo the cause of my headache issues, Dad? No. No. Yeah. Sorry, buddy. That's my fault. Anyway, it was a happy-ish ending, you know. Yeah. So yeah. let's go ahead. As happy as, and- you know, the looming death. From the first order, just yep. right around the corner. Yeah, That's again, fun. I didn't really think about that. My first, my first, um, first read through, but I think about it a lot now. I do think about it a lot now. When I when I invest in characters, that uh, there's some things that I think about. I, we'll never hear from these characters again. I highly yeah. doubt. But you know, it's kind of it's kind of sad because this is something that could rip apart a friendship. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, who knows what could happen to this planet? May, uh, yeah. Again, maybe like Carr and RZ and Maisie just steal that stupid ship, the Avadora, and they <laughs> they go they join uh, join the fleet on Exegol. You know, I don't know. Does it have weapons? I doubt it did. <laughs> it's a transport, but why not? <laughs> Install a couple cannons on that bad boy. Yeah. 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 Oh, they. <laughs> Oh, that's a first order shuttle. Let him in. Pew 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 pew. That's not. It's a fake. Blast it. 
Oh, shoot. All right. Let's go to ratings, man. Out of five, because it's a book, what are you giving it? I'm going to give this a four and a half. I actually really enjoyed this book quite a bit. I thought the little Easter eggs were well done and not your, you know, run-of-the-mill generic Easter eggs you'd put into a book as a fan. Uh, I think this guy put a lot, a lot of effort and research in before writing this. And the characters were actually, I, I don't think there was truly a throwaway character in the bunch. Mm-hmm. I mean, everything was really enjoyable. I even enjoyed the droid, which is very rare. Um, th- these are characters I would like to see again. And I would, I would gladly read another book in this line if they decide to do a time jump and we get to see him training a new generation. That'd be great. Like you said, I doubt we'll see him again, so that's fine. It's a good little snippet, but, yeah, I really enjoyed this. Yeah. Yeah, um, it, it was a very enjoy, enjoyable sort of short-ish story, um, you know, reasonably memorable characters, you know, kind of a fun teen drama that sort of made me remember certain things from when I was younger, which is, uh, you know, interesting. Um, yeah, I, I think my, my only gripe is just, you know, the, the portrayal of the First Order and what potentially I see happen next. Because like with so many things, I don't I don't see a happy ending for these kids because of what the first order does, and you know that that makes me a little bit a little bit jumpy because again, I feel like there aren't any secrets. I feel like Carr, you know, I assume Maisie's father kind of knows he's force ish sensitive or at least by proxy. So with that, you know, it could be very dangerous for him. And, you know, Maisie is obviously attached to her family. So that creates a lot of conflict. So I don't know. I I mean, it's just kind of, it's a nice stop in time, but it it makes me worry about the future because I do like the characters. I like to see them do well. Um, But with that being said, yeah, I mean, like you, like you kind of alluded to the, the Easter eggs were kind of fun. You know, again, they could be a little heavy handed at times, but not, not terrible. It wasn't anything really to talk about, but it was, it was fun. And it tried to tie in to a lot of what was going on in the galaxy um, and showing you a wide variety of planets and, and kind of views and everything like that. So for me, I, I think I'd probably agree with you. 4.5, I think is pretty appropriate. I would have to say, well, let's see what all of our friends over the internet gave it Uh Goodreads 3.72 out of uh, a little over 1,600 uh, ratings, so pretty pretty highly highly rated. Um, Amazon, 4.6 out of 5, so a little bit higher on Amazon out of uh, 450 ratings. So, you know, a reasonably good uh, rating scale there. I think Google users, which I don't even... Who, who rates a book on, like, Google? No one that I know of. It was, it, they don't even do like out of five. They give it like a 90%. <laughs> they have a flipping percent, bunch of boomers. Anyway, um, yeah, so that I'm, I'll agree, 4.5. So, yeah, man, I think that's getting towards the end of the show. Anything else you want to shout at everybody before we wrap it up? 
No, I think we are good to go. Sick. Well, anyway, uh, hopefully you guys enjoy the show today. Um, if you have any comments or, you know, thoughts about things or, you know, thoughts about anything we should talk about in the future, you can always hit us up on Facebook or Twitter at TC Plan Podcast or just send us a good old email transmission holocron through, you know, your aim, aim chat. <laughs> Oh, that was terrible. <laughs> Get your Yahoo instant messenger out, you know. Uh, but no, tcplanpodcast.gmail.com. You can send us a transmission to the email address if you have anything you want to say. And we'd be glad to hear from you and talk about it in an episode. But uh, that's about it for this one. So you guys have a great rest of your week. And as always, may the force be with you.